0: Everyone, welcome to Zonan Canada. I'm your host Jesse Betteridge. Uh, joining me in this episode is my uh, good friend and convention goer and convention panelist uh, Amanda Oldring, uh, who was one of my convention buddies at uh, Anime Revolution uh, 2017 just uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Amanda, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me, Jesse. Hey, everybody.
0: So we are talking about uh, Anime Revolution 2017 on this episode. Uh, we are actually going to be devoting pretty much the whole episode to talking about this one convention, which is not something we we typically do. If you're not familiar with Anime Revolution, which is uh, usually abbreviated as Anarevo for a variety of strange reasons, um, it is the you know, for the most part, the major anime convention that takes place in Vancouver every year. And I don't, I don't know how how you felt, Amanda. I thought it was okay. Um, it was an okay convention. Uh, it had it had ups and downs, kind of mediocre overall.
1: I think that um depend that your experience would definitely depend on your reasons for being there. And there's a lot of different reasons why people come to Anime Revo. I mean, I've been an anime fan uh since I was a kid, and I've been watching anime for. You know, longer than I care to admit now, um, and that's really driven me um, when I go to conventions and I participate in conventions to come from a of a, a panelist' perspective rather than maybe a cosplayer's perspective or a, a vendor's perspective so um you know i had I had uh, a great time and I had a positive time, but I think that uh you know overall i'd I'd say that there was room for growth, but that it is a growing con, so that that's kind of what we can expect.
0: So, it, I mean, it depends how you're coming at it. I think, you know, most people, some, a lot of people got more than they wanted. Uh, some, maybe not so much. I think that the overall result was just kind of, you know, just kind of average for the most part. And, and, and again, like, I, I think we experienced the convention a little differently from, you know, people who focus on, who might focus on cosplay or, um, our singing performances, strangely, which is a, an oddly prominent thing at, at Anime Revolution, which we'll get into later. Yeah. Um, but, uh, overall, it's just, the end result is, is, you know, an okay-ish, sort of mediocre con. You would think that a con that is simply okay, uh, from a variety of different angles wouldn't have much to wouldn't offer much to talk about, but that is completely untrue when it comes to anime revolution. There is a lot to talk about when it comes to this convention.
1: Um I agree with you completely.
0: <laughs> oh so much. And I, I feel like, you know, we've talked about anime revolution a bit on the show before. Um and I I think I've kind of I kind of touched on a few things vaguely, but we've never really gotten in depth uh with it. And I think that this is it is something that demands exploration I think that Ana embodies a lot of the problems we see with with a lot of cons in Canada or a lot of the situations we see with cons in Canada. Um and a lot of it has to do with Vancouver as a market. Uh, if you haven't really followed the the kind of convention scene in uh in Vancouver, it is kind of chaotic. Um and I think there are some there's a lot of debates about why that is. Uh, I have my own theories. So v- Vancouver is, uh, I feel, one of the most fertile markets for anime outside of Asia, yet... Yeah, it's a wild west in some ways, hey? In a lot of ways. I think it is, and I, I think that despite that, it is constantly and consistently neglected by the industry. You could say the same about most conventions in Canada, but I think it's especially true about Vancouver and its events and its kind of anime culture.
1: Yeah, which is kind of ironic in a way when you consider Vancouver's uh, existence as sort of a hub in media production,
0: exactly uh, in North America. Yeah, you, you have you have such a it's such a entertainment media focused kind of city, uh, and it also has the highest percentage of East Asian population uh, in North America when you when you look at it um, uh, per capita. Uh, I think the last figure that I saw was Vancouver's forty two percent. Uh, Vancouver's population is 42% East Asian, but that is just when you look at the city of Vancouver. Uh, that number is even higher when you count, uh, the entire metro Vancouver area, including Richmond. Uh, rather the city of Richmond, which is one of the suburbs of Vancouver, if you're not familiar with the geography around here. Uh, these things kind of combined should make Vancouver, despite having a s- you know, a smaller population than a lot of other cities around, uh, around North America, uh, a real kind of destination for anime, and yet, it never seems to get that that attention that, that it deserves.
1: That momentum, it, yeah, and yeah, I agree It, it with can't,
0: you. It, can't mean, yeah, peop, it, it doesn't get a lot of attention from outside of the city, and mm-hmm. for for some reason, the infrastructures within the city um fa- fail to keep the momentum needed going a lot of the time. Uh, there's been a lot of cons that have come and gone in Vancouver. Anime Revolution has probably done the best job of keeping that momentum going, not only of conventions, but I think of a lot of different organizations and companies in the city. But there's still this sort of consistent kind of failure to really tap into the 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 potential. I think there's like like I said, it's very fertile. Nothing can really seem to to get, oh, and you know, yeah. It's
1: interesting, Jesse. Um, I reflect on that a fair bit. And it, it seems almost in some ways that Vancouver is trying to find a, an identity. Maybe there's a bit of a crisis of identity here. We've had so many different cons that are have uh, kind of sprung up over the years and haven't really grown or they've gone in different directions. And there seems to be this this sense of trying to figure out who are we? Who are we in relation to SakuraCon, our neighbor just in Seattle? how are we different uh what do, what can canada celebrate and what can canada do to attract canadian anime fans uh-huh. and japanese cultural fans that other conventions aren't already doing
0: yeah and not not just canadian fans you you a, a key is getting people from like across the continent to come and that's tricky when you have when we're so close to the border because why come to uh why come to a con in canada when you can go to if you live in the United States, we well, can go to SakuraCon, Con, which, you know, is pretty much the best anime convention anywhere even close to this area. The whole uh, sort of Cascadian Pacific Northwest kind of area. Um, exactly.
1: And I think it's part of the reason why Anime Revolution and related cons, but Anime Revolution especially, still hasn't quite managed to shrug off that sort of grassroots feel about it. Um, it's still sort of in this, this identification phase in some ways. Well,
0: I would actually kind of argue that it, it's, they have little incentive to break out of it a lot of the time. Um, I, I think some of it has to do with their nature as a for-profit con. Some of it has the nature, some of it has to do with the fact that, you know, you just kind of can't compete with a convention like SoccerCon so close. So, um, you know, the, the incentive just isn't there a lot of the time. Um, but the thing about, I think a lot of the the problems with cons in Vancouver are reflective of Vancouver as a city uh, itself. It's a very young city, uh, and again, that that kind of taps into the what you brought up about like, the identity crisis and trying to find a voice for uh for for the for the culture here. Um, and it's also a city that's like rapidly uh, it, it has you know rapid problems of of growth and uh, unaffordability and uh, gaps in you know, in in poverty and and wages, and you, it's a city where you can't really find a good middle ground a lot of the time, and all these things just kind of collide in a way that uh, that that makes Vancouver lack a lack an identity to an extent, uh, which is unfortunate. And that I I feel that Anime Revolution is it reflects the city as a whole in a lot of ways. Uh, in many ways, it is a convention that is befitting the city of Vancouver.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. I in in some ways. You know, some things were done really well and some things, you know, really could have been changed or maybe need to go a little bit differently. I really got the sense that anime revolution is very much a convention in motion. It's still uh, a convention that's really finding its legs. And in some ways, that's that's one of the things that I I really quite enjoy about it is uh, watching watching this growth process. And it's got a very young energy. It's got a very excited energy. Um, and I think that there's a lot of potential there to develop it further.
0: Yeah. It, it is a sixth year convention, which on one hand is kind of the point where you would expect a convention to have been a little, becoming a little more fully formed. At the same time, it is a, it seems like a very, uh, young convention for a city as large and prominent as Vancouver. And I, I think if you live in Vancouver, you probably know why Anime Revolution is such a young convention. Um, and there is actually, I, we should, I guess we should probably go a little bit into the background of this. Amanda, how, how long have you been going to the various conventions in Vancouver? I'm I'm just curious. I can't, uh, I can't remember how far back you go with this stuff.
1: Yeah. So I've been going to conventions since 2011, but I've only been going to Anime Revolution for about three years. I think the first time I went was in 2012. Okay. And then so you don't again. go,
0: you don't go back too far.
1: Not too Rel- far. Relatively. No. Yeah. Yeah, and then again in the last three I've been attending. So, yeah, um, my experience is probably a little bit different from someone like you, Jesse, who has really got to see it kind of grow
0: from the ground up. Sort of. The very first anime convention in in Vancouver was, was called AkaCon. Uh, that took place, I think, around 2000, 2001. And uh, I, I don't know too much about it because nobody who went there really likes to talk about it too much. Apparently it was held at a hotel and uh, they burned a lot of bridges with hotels in downtown Vancouver, which uh, made it very difficult for any convention to find hotel space for many years, which is why, uh, again, for many years it was hard for, for anime cons to find a, a good venue because the uh, the convention center space, which anime revolution does use. And I think that that venue was a big part of their success was just, it's just too expensive for most cons who are starting out. Uh, And Mm -hmm. that's relegated a lot of the conventions we had to just either cheap or university campuses uh, for their venues, which, you know, I think turned a lot of people off and, and wasn't really befitting of people's expectations for, for a convention in Vancouver. People's expectations, I think play a lot into uh, in, into the scene we have there, and people have very different expectations from, from what I've found. OkaCon, uh it kind of got things off to a bad start, uh, but their anime evolutions, which was not only the anime convention in Vancouver, but pretty much the convention in Vancouver for many years, they, there really weren't a lot of events going on throughout the, uh, the aughts when anime evolution was going on, which was kind of strange. Uh, even Fan Expo Vancouver didn't start until about a year after anime evolution ended. Anime Evolution actually started out as Anime Showcase, which was run by the Vancouver Japanese Anime Society, uh, VJAS, as well as, uh, what used to be the anime club at SFU, which was the ARC. Uh, and it was, it was just like a, a screening night at, uh, the downtown campus in, at SFU. Uh, and they would just, they would just screen anime, and it sort of turned into a convention, uh, which they ran as Anime Evolution in 2003. At, at that point it was, uh, run by Anime Evolution Corp. And, it ran from 2003 to 2010 and it was and it, you know it was a it was a small convention it never surpassed 6,000 attendees um but you know it was popular people loved it people had a good time at the convention even though uh it always was except for one year uh it was always isolated to university campuses as a as a venue uh which mm-hmm. you know kept it small they did bring in japanese bands but uh throughout their entire nine year history they always they never once succeeded in bringing in a you know an industry or voice actor guest from japan which was honestly like probably one of the biggest black marks on the con was that they could never do that because being able to get guests like that is one of the big advantages of running a convention on the west coast um if anything that's that the, the prevailing mentality is that east coast cons have great fans fan fan panelist content uh west coast cons don't but they make up for it with amazing guests and anime evolution never really managed to do that they did manage to get into the vancouver convention center one year which was their second last year uh which is you know i'm still kind of amazed by how that whole thing played out because usually when conventions move to a new venue they gain it's a attendees broke, right yeah yeah somehow anime evolution lost attendees when they moved to the vancouver convention center i don't know if it was because it shifted from august to june and that really threw people off for that one year but it was like kind of this kind of shocking moment that, that uh, they they clearly lost a, a lot of money in the process of of, of yeah, when that happened and i think it was there-
1: a case of growing too fast too soon, do you think? Like, did you get the sense I that never, I uh, never maybe felt that they, grew. they were anticipating a bigger turnout than they budgeted for?
0: I, You know what? I can't really speak to that. I'm not really sure. I, I, I don't think that they ever really grew that much, especially in comparison to a lot of other anime conventions. I mean, just, just for perspective, like a mid-sized convention is usually... Consider to be about fifteen thousand people, and I, I know we had a little debate about this earlier with Anime Revolution. Uh, there, I think they definitely surpassed ten thousand a few years ago. I currently pin them a little closer to fifteen thousand. I think you estimated that the turnout's a little less than that at this point. Yeah, but it is. in any case, Anime Revolution is somewhere around the mid the mid size convention, which is much bigger than. Than, uh anime evolution or any other anime related event managed to get in Vancouver it's
1: too bad they don't release their numbers we could have had a bet going
0: yeah that's the thing no uh none of the conventions in Vancouver ever seem to keep ever since they released their numbers uh in the case that's of anime cool. re- sorry
1: that's a little uncommon isn't
0: it but I mean most conventions around the continent release their numbers for some reason anime revolution doesn't um but in my opinion I think it's because they're always trying to appear a little larger than they actually are but they they are you know they're a mid-sized convention which the early conventions here never really really never seem to manage to do but yeah the for for whatever reason uh anime evolutions moved to the uh the larger convention center didn't work out and then they wound up at ubc for their final year uh and then well okay well Technically, Anime Evolution, as run by Anime Evolution Corp, uh, is is a defunct event. Um, I still won't get into too much detail about things that that happened with that convention. The the event had to end uh, rather abruptly in 2010, and when that happened, it seemed that you know a dozen different groups just kind of rushed in to try to create their own events uh, to to fill the void. And I am Somewhat guilty of that as well because i uh I am one of the uh lead organizers behind one of those events that sprung up shortly after that happened, but that's when we started to see more events popping up in uh in Vancouver and that's when anime revolution popped up just a year later in uh in twenty twelve um, yeah that's great right. i'm yeah. pretty
1: sure i went the first year
0: yeah and it w- it was you know it, it had kind of a a shady start uh, people weren't really sure who they are. Uh, they're not like the people who run the convention are not people who are part of the quote unquote anime community in Vancouver, which is an entity an entity that I argue doesn't really exist. I think it's more of a a loose general culture in this city because it's just there's so much the the, the amount of casual interest in anime is so high. I think it's ridiculous to try and pin it down to a specific community.
1: Pretty reasonable.
0: Yeah, and, and the 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 first year of AR, it really it felt like an event run by people who had never even been to an anime convention before but right from the beginning they managed to do certain key things correctly and very very well uh they secured canada place or which is the the east wing of the vancouver convention center as their venue um which is you know for all of its for all the for all the problems that that building has it was a much better venue than basically anything else that any other competing event had tried, uh, at least for that style of event. Uh, mm-hmm. They managed to bring in a Japanese voice actor guest, uh, the first event in Vancouver that managed to do that. Um, and they put a lot of emphasis on stage performances. Uh, the, the people who run their 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 programming put a lot of emphasis on that. And, you know, even though it's not really my thing, and I'm not sure if it's really your thing either, uh, they tend to be very popular with attendees um, and they also, even though this is an area that the con was lacking in this year, they do bring in industry as well. Um, they they managed to bring in, they generally managed to bring in Anaplex and Crunchyroll, sometimes Funimation, which you don't see enough of in uh, yeah. in Canadian cons in general. And uh, they also, cosplay guests seem to be a really big deal. Uh, they they brought in people like Jessica Negri for the first couple of years, and this year they brought in, um, I think. Four cosplay guests from uh, from different Asian countries I know stay and, and Mon were were two really big ones that I heard people talking about all the time mm-hmm. I don't follow that stuff at all so I can't even begin to pretend to, to, to know what I'm talking about when I bring that up but this that like there that's a huge deal for a lot of the attendees here
1: I'm on the same page with you Jesse and I think that um, the the increase in cosplay guests that we're seeing, in conventions like Anime Revolution, is is definitely a sign of the times that uh, the audience demographic and interest uh, in anime um, is changing and shifting over time um, to really take a, a sort of a different focus or or just a changing focus in terms of what people are finding attractive about conventions and what's drawing them there.
0: Yeah, and I mean, br- like bringing in cosplay guests from like flying them in from different countries, I think is, is very significant because it shows how it, it almost kind of legitima like it, it brings a sort of le- legitimization to something that is normally seen as like a grassroots, uh, fandom culture kind of, <laughs> kind of
1: thing. Kind of thing. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so, but the, anyway, they like, even for all the very weird and wonky problems that con had for its first couple of years, From the very beginning, they nailed those key things down. And with, in terms of getting, uh, Japanese voice actor guests, that's something they put very prominent focus on from the beginning. And from what I hear, their guest relations are, are top notch as well. So for, for, for all the things that they kind of are not so great with or cut back on, they go into the right places. And those are those things that keep the, that, that kind of keep the convention running. And they're the only convention that has managed to nail down those key things. And that has helped them achieve a sort of momentum in terms of turnout that we have not seen from another event and we're probably not going to see from uh, another event, at least none of the other ones that are that are going right now. Um, I know a lot of people. (laughs) Okay, well, let me point out that Anime Evolution uh, 2010 was not the end of Anime Evolution. There is another organization called the Vancouver Anime Convention Society that brought Anime Evolution back from the dead the year after Anime Revolution launched. Uh, and it's kind of still going to this day, but not really. And a lot of its followers are people who are like devoted to it, kind of latch on to every mistake that anime revolution makes. And honestly, there's a lot of, I find there's a lot of slander that goes on in certain circles, especially against anime revolution that is not necessarily warranted a lot of the time.
1: You're hitting the nail on the head here. And you know, it's, Thing. It recalls to mind some uh, of the criticism I've heard about Vancouver as a city in general, and it seems like maybe it's trickling into the convention scene as well is that there is a marked lack of cohesive community in this city. And when you get that kind of fragmented approach to being in Vancouver or to being a fan, you've got this sense there's not really that same sense of camaraderie here. It's not about like here's our city's convention let's make it bigger, let's make it better. It's uh, everybody has their idea of what they want to do, or certain groups oh. have their ideas of what they want to do, and they're taking that and running with that and failing to see how that is disadvantaging them. It,
0: it, do I sound really futile when I say that I don't feel that, I I, I think it's useless to try and define or the, the anime scene in Vancouver as a community and think of it more as just a broader culture? Because I, no, I, think, I think I think it just makes more sense, but... <laughs>
1: But when it comes to event organizing, I think there's a certain amount of solidarity that is missing.
0: I, I can get behind that idea. And, and to be honest, like when you look at a city like Seattle, I don't – I'm not really familiar with whatever drama they have in that city. All I know is that Sakura Con is a you know a stable, well-run convention. I go there. I, I I enjoy the city. I go to the public market. I eat at Ludi's. Uh, used to eat at uh, Rock Bottom before they shut that place down. Uh wasn't happy with that That's development. That's a sad time. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, you know, you, 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 you fold it in with that whole trip to Seattle, you get the veneer of, of, of going to a new place, and you don't really think about whatever drama is actually going on in that city. I don't know if it's if it's comparable to what goes on in Vancouver, but I, I feel that there is something sort of unique about the way things play out here. And you do, again, you get a lot of salt in the air that kind of blows things out of out of proportion a lot of the time. I think when we're looking at this year's uh, anime revolution, uh, you kind of saw that really rear its head to a degree. And I, I mean, I don't want to defend the mistakes that that anime revolution uh, made. But this is the first year that they made a really, really big mistake. OK, I should point out this. Normally, they're in the East Convention of the, the Convention Center. This was their first year in the West building. Uh, the West building is fucking beautiful. I love that place. I think it's a
1: bit of an understatement.
0: Yeah, it is a magnificent place to run any kind of event. I hope I, I hope that Anime Revolution continues to book this venue. I hope that they continue to expand the venue. If they could use the whole building and make that whole thing devoted to an anime convention, that would be amazing. It is a gorgeous place. Um, and I thought for sure that the year that they moved over to that building, there was going to be some problem in the way that they used the venue. They were going to have some kind of colossal fuck up regarding that they didn't they actually even though they only had a very small part of that of that building they and probably a little less than they than they could have used they still used it really well I found
1: I think part of the excellence in terms of how we saw that space used um, in addition to the the planning had to do with the the staff. And the volunteers uh, um, and their their organization. I was really quite impressed with the organization of um, the people that they did have. I don't feel that they had enough of them, but for the ones that they did have, um, it operated very very smoothly with the space that they were using.
0: I, I think their 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 staff for the most part is well trained. I don't think they're always well allocated, which is uh, I, w- I, I I will certainly be touching on that in in a bit. They they plan the space well. They used it well, but. They really, really dropped the ball on one thing. If you followed this convention at all, you probably heard about this one colossal failure that they had on the first day of the event, which, yeah, I know. which, which really overshadowed things for a lot of people and uh, I think wound up blowing other much more minor problems in the convention out of, uh, out of proportion. And that was what ha- happened with the line, uh, the pre-reg line on Friday. Uh, so what happened was early in the morning, uh, they, the line, the line to pick up pre-reg and the line to actually register for the convention was very short. And somebody who I am certain was a very inexperienced person who probably shouldn't have been allowed to make this call yet did thought it would be okay to merge the lines together into one line and then separate them later when the crowd started building. What apparently happened was the crowd builded much, much, much more quickly than they expected to. And, uh, and I should, I should note that, you know, moving into the new part of the venue, this con did see quite a bit of growth this, this year, uh, compared to its previous years in, in Canada Place. But nonetheless, most of this, most of the people lining up were pre-reg and they should have realized that. The booth to actually get people registered was, they had far too few staff working in that area. Uh, I think they had the same number of people who usually do it every year, despite the fact that the con has seen significant growth over the last couple of years. And they let the pre-reg and reg lines just grow too too large too quickly while well merged together to the point that it, it was no longer logistically feasible. Well, it was probably possible, but it would have been very, very difficult to split the line at that point. Oh, um, it
1: was a bottleneck.
0: Yeah. And so they kind of just let it stand. And throughout the entire day, they had one huge, massive pre-reg reg line merged together, wrapping around the building. Obviously, this didn't affect us because we were panelists, and we were able to just go right to the info booth and get our passes, as it should be, because if a panelist was stuck in that line, they wouldn't have been able to do their panel, and that would have been... We have a convention. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also, I, I should note that SakuraCon never let me do that, or any other convention never let me sim- simply pick my panelist badge up at the info booth, so... Um, yeah, it
1: two and a half hours at SakuraCon to yeah. get in.
0: <laughs> yeah I mean at least the line, the line control was better there for uh, for a significantly larger convention but oh my god they like this this is a rookie mistake letting the line merge together at any point is not a mistake that a 6th year convention should be making i know 6 years is still pretty young as far as a lot of conventions go but then you this just this yeah. is like convention ops 101 you you do not merge the registered and pre- or the registering and pre-registered lines together Ever. That is bad, bad, bad. You don't do that. Yeah, it was a, it it was stunning that they let, that they dropped the ball on that. And it created a lot of salt in the air. If you were following social media, uh, people, especially those who, uh, you know, like to dig into anime revolution, any chance they get, we're just having a field day. Even I was kind of ripping the convention apart on Twitter throughout the day because the problem needed to be highlighted. Their, their, their solution was to keep pre-reg open until midnight. Um, I mean, to be fair, I, I understand that splitting the reg and pre-reg lines apart was logistically difficult. Perhaps logistically difficult enough to not attempt to do it. Um, I can see that. I, I was just at a gasp that not only would they make their volunteers work that late, or their, their staff and volunteers work that late to try and bring to try and get all the pre-reg taken care of. To but bring that, the numbers down. Yeah, but to not ha- put assign more staff to work behind that booth. And... You know, I know you mentioned that that there weren't enough staff at the at the the Con. Maybe that's true, but they certainly should have made some kind of effort to reallocate some of the staff that was working that day, and they didn't do it. They still had, I think, at most half a dozen people handling this massive line of pre-registration, and it was a it was a total disaster. Obviously, like this was not this was only an issue on Friday if you once you got your badge and i noticed that once people got their badges they didn't seem to really care anymore they were in the convention they were happy and obviously the next day this this wasn't the problem they had the line split again and it and it's it is it is worth pointing out again showing that anime revolution has sort of hit that momentum where nothing's going to stop them at this point um yeah, course, it did not de- but- it did not deter people from coming and 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 uh buying a badge uh, on but it seems to
1: be rather um, disappointing, especially when you're planning on doing a full three days at the convention, you mm-hmm. spend half of your first day in the lineup ride.
0: Yeah, well, he- here's the thing. Uh, waiting for three and a half to four hours to get you- to pick up your pre-reg badge, this is not an unusual experience at an anime convention. This actually happens all the time. Oh, uh, and
1: it's probably short if you compare it to bigger conventions like PAX. Yeah.
0: Exactly, and it is worth it is worth pointing out uh, if you hadn't heard, uh, British Columbia has had serious problems with wildfires. Um, over I, the course, of the a summer. That's bit of an
1: understatement. This is our wildfire season in recorded history.
0: Yeah, it uh, it just edged out the uh, the 1950s wildfires as the largest, yeah. the, the 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 most widespread wildfire uh, situation in BC history. Um, and there was just the. See, one of the great things about the Vancouver Convention Center is the view is beautiful. And that was basically ruined the whole weekend because there was so much smoke covering the entire view. Um, And, of course, if you were standing outside, you were standing in the smoke. Um, It it wasn't quite as bad as a lot of people were making it out to be. And I I think that, you know, the weather, that that type of conditions is still nowhere near as bad as standing out in the heat in L.A. can be sometimes. Um, But... Yeah, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty bad experience overall, but not an unusual experience to have at an anime convention. The problem with this three and a half to four hour wait, uh, in unideal conditions, um, was the circumstances in which it happened. It was totally it was preventable, and they just chose not to really plan well for it or do anything to address the problem properly um and that like th- this is the first time that they like the con really 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 dropped the ball and got a lot of attention for dropping the ball on something. That was really bad. I I I was I was really disappointed that happened and it even even though I didn't have to wait in line the line myself at any point, it still kind of dragged things down for me on the Friday.
1: Well, given that, you know, your panel was early in the morning and probably 50% of a potential audience was still outside waiting to get in. I can certainly understand hey. how that would how that would affect you. It certainly affected other panelists and I'm sure it affected the uh the vendors market as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean there were still lots of people who who in the convention for sure uh even even on Friday. But um yeah, that's just that's just really bad planning and uh I, I know a lot of people were saying that they, you know, they hope this is the this is the this is the mistake that they hope killed Aniravo and it won't be. Like you know, Not at all. What, like no. this is a three-day event. After the after this first day was over, people completely forgot that this even happened and just moved on, as so as is so often the case. And know, I with think that there's
1: then, a there's yeah. a point, and maybe year six is the point when uh, your snowball is big enough and has picked up enough momentum,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, has enough notoriety that to a certain extent it will continue to carry itself forward, yeah. uh, despite these kinds of mishaps.
0: Yeah. Right. Ex- exactly. So, uh, and that's why like regardless of what people think about anime revolution if you want you know to support an anime convention in vancouver you, you kind of just have to go with it at this point uh it is it, i think it is imperative that people just you know provide feedback do everything they can to try and make the event better um and just just yeah because this is the event this is this is the one that that we have and
1: this is the yeah. event
0: yeah so, uh g- granted, I don't think that a situation like this is ever going to happen again. But still, you had you still had a situation where somebody who I'm sh- sure was very inexperienced and should not have made a call, like merging those lines together, was still able to. So there's a lot of improvement that has to happen in their in their ops for Yeah, certain. and in,
1: we've we've talked about this earlier in the podcast as well, right? Like it's a it is a growing con. It's getting its legs. Um, it's at the point now where it's really starting to get a sense of self, a sense of voice. It's in the biggest possible venue that it can be in Vancouver, the nicest possible venue. It was their first year there. Uh, the logistics obviously weren't going to be perfect. That mm-hmm. I have every confidence that next year is going yeah. to be so much more improved on the hiccups that we saw this year.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sure there was there was a convergence of a lot of a lot of unfortunate things happening over the course of the weekend. Um and you know, you you heard people, there were a lot of complaints about other things. Most of the other problems at the convention I found were pretty typical for Anime Revolution. Uh in terms of what I was talking about with staff allocation, uh another thing that is probably worth noting is the fact that they introduced these UV stamps at the con <laughs> this year. <laughs> yes, we
1: have to talk about the yeah.
0: UV stamps. So, and I should I should point out we right now we're dwelling on the two big issues that people complained about incessantly with the uh, with Anime Revolution so maybe we'll try to get through this quicker and focus on i think more of the important uh details with the meat of the con itself um but i mean we we have to talk about the UV thing so Anime Revolution every year unlike most anime conventions which which um which are usually content to just simply print out badges with your name with your name uh, pre-written on it, and use that for your personal identification. Um, Anime Revolution has always insisted on using these big plastic badges. I think the reason that they use the big plastic badges, um, which uh, is because they look fancier, and they feel probably raise the profile of the event. Um, but the actual functional utilitarian purpose of those large plastic badges is that they are supposed to be tradable. They are exchangeable. Uh, and Anime Revolution tried to crack down on that this year. And you know what? I don't blame them for trying to crack down on badge ghosting, which is where people just kind of get in and out of the convention by trading badges with each other. Uh, that's a problem in most cities with most conventions. Uh, I think it is especially a big problem in Vancouver because we have had so many years of just venues that don't really secure uh, an area very well for uh for attend, uh, for convention goers that people just kind of feel entitled to be able to go to an event for free and i don't blame them for trying to crack down on this but what they did was because they are so insistent on sticking with these big plastic badges um that they actually had this customized uv stamp that they put on people's hands and they would actually use a uv light to to scan your hands when you're going into certain areas Um, Yeah,
1: and in principle, I like the idea of using mm -hmm. a UV stamp over, like, an ink stamp, especially if you're going in as a cosplayer and you don't necessarily want this big marked thing that you're going to need to photo edit out later, which, as we know, is increasingly a larger part of the convention demographic, Mm -hmm. is cosplayer. So the UV idea, great in theory, but terrible in practice. If you're not putting it in the same spot for every single person...
0: And they weren't. Uh, I, I would constantly have to, like... Uh, Like, shuffle my arm around to show them where the stamp actually was versus where they expected it to be, which was everywhere except where it was on my arm.
1: Yeah, you know, if they're going to play that kind of game, stamp the badges.
0: (laughs) Exactly, and that's the thing. Why do you use the plastic exchangeable badges when... The purpose of, the functional purpose of those badges is to be able to exchange them and trade them and transfer them to other people. Um, you, you can't, you can't use those badges and create an expectation of sort of tradability and then undermine that with something like the UV stamp. Um, and it, it just blows my mind, especially when using printed out paper passes like virtually every other anime convention does is probably significantly cheaper than what they than, than what they opted to do here. And another not thing. Not only
1: that. Go ahead. Sorry, Jesse. I, I have a couple of comments on this, but I'll wait until you're done. Yeah.
0: So, and also on the plastic. What they did t- to individually identify people on these plastic badges, uh, unless you had a uh like a signature, two hundred dollars signature badge, which I am still amazed by how many people buy those. Um, they would actually just write your first name and first initial on the back of the badge in permanent marker. And I, you know, I'm not gonna explicitly say how you could get around all of this at the convention and still trade badges. Um, but I, I will point out that uh, rubbing alcohol takes permanent marker right off. Cleanly well, that's exactly and right.
1: We did, <laughs> Jesse and I did a test with this after the con just to see we had this talk and we thought this seems like a bit of a security loophole. If you're writing with permanent marker yeah. on a piece of plastic, um, it's it's a... Uh, an easy material to remove. So I went home and I got a piece of rubbing alcohol after the con, of course, um, and just rubbed my name off just to demonstrate how how simple this is. So the addition of applying a UV stamp and the extra cost and the extra time and also the extra line weights that it created to try and find everybody's stamps while you're looking at them uh, seems like uh, uh, a very unnecessary cost, especially considering, again, that, yes, plastic is much more expensive than paper. It's also much less eco-friendly than paper, which is surprising. Yes, that given that too. It's <laughs> supposed to be the greenest city in the world. I know, right? Uh, you know, if you're going to go paperless, fabulous idea. Get a mobile app or get people to return their badges at the end of the con.
0: <laughs> yeah. but. <laughs> Yeah, that's the, maybe that's the angle we should use. Like, Vancouver's the green city. Why is our Vancouver's anime convention doing, like, the ungreenest thing possible in terms of convention security? And the other thing is that the bottlenecks within the con caused by the UV stamp honestly were not as bad as I expected. Uh, you could get to most areas pretty easily. Uh, there were times when a lineup formed outside of the dealer's hall due to the UV... due due to them checking the uv stamp on every person who came in but they usually just kind of gave up after a while and just went with the badges instead um again it did get a little bad a couple times but never anywhere near the disaster that it could have been and i at times expected it to uh, to be so
1: it's a lovely idea in theory in practice the materials that they're using have left some fairly substantial security holes that the their system isn't going to solve so yeah, maybe to rethink that a little bit more. Yeah.
0: But here's the thing that bothered me the most about that, about this, um, it's that they had about, at every checkpoint, they used, would have two to three staff members standing there with their special UV light to check people's stamps and then let them into the area. You cannot claim that the con was understaffed when you had two to three staff members at every checkpoint looking at this. Every other convention I've been to, the convention center staff checks people's badges and lets them into different areas. And there were convention center staff standing at those areas. It seems like a, a total really good point. it's it's a total waste. And why couldn't they have reallocated some of those staff to handling the reg slash pre reg line on the first day? Like I know that, you know, I I've never you know, I've I've planned events before i've never planned a large-scale convention before so maybe i am underestimating how difficult this kind of thing is when it comes to con ops but there has to have been some flexibility with the staff that they had to to address that problem um i feel that the staff was just not be as well trained as they were uh they in most cases they just were not allocated well and i i <laughs> Uh, it, it just it just blows my mind that that it that it all worked out that day way at least the first day. I think that the con really needs to look at the way it uses its staff and 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 hammer out some of their uh, inefficiencies.
1: At least as far as the lineup queuing goes, absolutely correct about that. Uh, my experience from a panelist perspective, I was very impressed at the way that their staff were distributed for panelist management. Oh yeah, th- um, th- th- that was have- great. Yeah, so in each of the panelists' rooms, they were equipped with door staff to check numbers. They had, uh, each room had their own uh, staff or volunteer manager who would be responsible for holding up cue cards, for making sure that the event ran smoothly, and most importantly, for liaising between panelists and the tech team to make sure that um, audio, video, and uh, projector equipment were running smoothly and that computers were connecting correctly. Um, they had uh, music in between panels that was run. It was it was super well considered given the logistics and time concerns that panels often have, especially if there are technological difficulties. I had a fantastic experience actually, where I had brought in a Windows Surface Pro tablet to do my panel on the Friday, and I had a very specific kind of micro uh, HDMI connection that was not a default type of adapter available for the projector yeah. connection. For, for the and, record,
0: I warned her on multiple occasions that <laughs> you bring your own adapter, always bring your own adapter. Never, never assume that they'll have the adapter you need when you do. A I'd panel. Like to- and I spread the, and I, and I, I and I would like to uh, bestow this advice <laughs> onto my listeners as well, who I, you know, I hope many of you many of you may consider doing panels in the future as well.
1: <laughs> yes, Jesse's right, and uh, you should listen to him, absolutely. I wanted to put a certain amount of faith in the Vancouver Convention Center that as the most illustrious convention venue that the city had to offer, that they would have adapters available with their tech team, and I lucked out, and they did. And I was so fortunate. I actually went and talked to the information desk, and there was a fellow there who had uh, his radio, and I said, can you get me an HDMI adapter that I can use for my tablet? And I showed him the picture and I showed him exactly what I needed. He got on the radio and he called three or four different people. And he was so diligent, um, finding the right people to talk to. He got in touch with the tech team. He coordinated um, a person to deliver the, the exact piece of equipment that I needed at that room on time. So I showed up when it was time for my panel the adapter was already there. The tech person was there. We hooked it all up. It was the most I've done uh, four panels now for Anime Revolution, and it was the most. It was the smoothest, most problem-free experience as a panelist I've ever had, and it is entirely thanks to the staff yeah. and their coordination.
0: Uh, Amanda, of course, uh, did the Yuri <laughs> panel. Uh, uh, girls like girls Yuri Revolution and it was it was fantastic. You did you, you did a great job. I think it was one of the best panels uh, of the weekend for sure. Oh, and thank you. Uh, yeah, I did uh, I did three panels myself. Uh they were blatant copyright infringement in anime, uh Quebec Anime Bazaar Wonderland and Amazing Anime Deaths. Uh and they they were all well, okay, the as a panelist my experience was overall very good. Uh the lineups within the convention were all handled excellently. I thought the staff uh that attended to the various panel rooms were all yeah, yeah everything there there were no problems there at all definitely but uh even though the even though the experience was good and i feel that from an organizational standpoint uh panels and programming was handled very well the actual content of 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 uh of the convention for the most part was pretty subpar uh, to say the least um anime revolution as let's, i mentioned let's
1: talk about that i i want to yeah. talk about uh, I think that's
0: a really important point. So, so uh, Anime Revolution, as I mentioned in the beginning, they put a huge amount of emphasis on stage performance stuff. They, um, they have their cosplay show, they have like the 70s anime dating show, they have the walk-off, which is like a big machismo, uh, competition that has, that actually that's a tradition that goes back to Anime Evolution. It's it's really weird, but remains an, uh, an endearing favorite to this very day. Um, they have all the all the stuff going on on the stage constantly, and you know this stuff really doesn't appeal to me. Uh, but they do a good job at handling that stuff. But panels, remember remember how I said earlier that West Coast conventions have tend to not have very good panels. Anime Revolution yes. uh, suffers from that problem greatly, and uh, the, it, it suffers from an issue. Okay, it suffers of a few issues. The biggest one is the issue of Ask a Character panels. If you're not familiar with Ask a Character panels. Uh they go by many names but the ultimate premise is that you have you know several people cosplaying as characters from a show they role play as they they basically have the audience ask them questions and they kind of role play they give these role play answers um that character they, answers how they think the character would respond that that's the important thing how they think the character would respond it very rarely coincides with how the character would actually respond in those cases it usually just gives into I, I would say the worst excesses of fandom uh, interpretation live <laughs> a lot action, of the
1: Live-action fan fiction.
0: Yeah, it is live-action fan fiction. The, the problem with these panels is that they take very little effort to actually create. Um, they're usually done by people who should be entering the cosplay contest and preparing skits, um, but they f- don't really want to put the effort into doing that um, and would rather just Run these kind of low-effort panels because they, you know, they get a cheap badge, sometimes even a free badge, and it just, you know, it ultimately just—they're popular. These panels are always really popular, which is why they keep happening. But, you know, they just give a free pass to uh, people to people who are being lazy. It promotes and rewards laziness, and the positive response that they get just turns into a feedback loop. Um, And then we just keep getting more and more of them every year. This year there were three for Yuri on Ice. Uh, It was ridiculous. Um, and, and the funny thing is that, yes, they get a huge crowd, but, you know, one of those panels could have been about Sayo Yamamoto as an amazing female director. Um, one could have been about how the series, like, wonderfully adapts figure skating. Those panels would probably get a similar attendance to the, you know, the low effort, ask a character format.
1: Absolutely. So my, skates. my general stance on this kind of thing is that if they're popular and people like to go to them, Great. Make a craft room or a volunteer space where you can go to do your, your role playing game the same way that you would have a gaming center where people can go and play
0: werewolf. (laughs) Just make it a free, just make it one free for all room for that.
1: Yeah, you know, or like have a karaoke room or something like that, that you're doing that kind of thing and that can be like part of your convention experience. You sign up have a great time it's a lot of fun leave the panelist space and the panelist time for people who want to devote energy to more critical content or more uh, a thoughtful analysis or portrayals of the anime that we love
0: yeah uh, I, I think it would be better is if they had a rule where if you're going to do a panel about a specific anime, you have to give some kind of lecture-style presentation that looks at the, you know, the production, the storyline, the themes, or, or the broader fandom of a specific series, and actually analyzes and discusses it in a, in a uh, informative or creative way. And that would probably discourage most of the people who run these panels from doing them. That way, um I think that would be a simple solution uh now i I know that anime revolution the last couple of years was actually a lot better at trying to prevent panels like these from taking up a lot of space, but I was told and I talked to the the head programming director at, at anime revolution about this, and he he told me that there was a shortage of content being submitted, and there weren't as many people submitting panels as usual, and I can believe that uh, i I believe him when he says that but you know, I, I still think that the, the kind of situation where you have three Yuri on Ice ask a character panels is the type of situation where you should be proactively avoiding it. You should be, you know, looking for people who are going to do better panels. Why, there, like, there was no feminism in anime panel. Every convention has a feminism in anime panel. It is not difficult to find somebody in any urban area. not It doesn't have to be like an activist kind of city. It can be any city. You'll find someone who can talk about feminism and anime for an hour.
1: I know. And you would consider Vancouver being the, the hotbed of social activism and having such a large anime fandom and anime community, um, an academic community. We've got two major universities here and a number of colleges. Um, you would expect that there would be more of an interest or more of a demand for fans to, to talk about and have an outlet For these kinds of creative works and these kinds of creative panels. So, where are the people? Where are the panelists?
0: There are people they can tap into, uh, and they, they just kind of, uh, overlook it a lot of the time. Um, or it's just, it's just clearly not a priority. They don't prioritize this, this kind of content at all. Um, it, it's pretty frustrating. It feeds into the fact that, you know, our panels were pretty early in the day. Uh, there were less substantial panels that were getting emphasis uh in the in the prime hours um like like on saturday my quebec panel it was at 10 o'clock in the morning the turnout was was pretty low it was like 50 or 60 people turned out for that which is about what i expected for a panel about you know anime and quebec at 10 o'clock in the morning um and then my anime deaths panel was at nine thirty p.m good time slot for that panel for sure but i had this huge gap in the middle of the day on saturday and i had there was literally nothing to do at the convention they they didn't have they don't have like a manga library Uh, or, like you said, even something like a karaoke room, or something you could just kind of drop into and have fun. They only have two screening rooms, uh, which is, I think, the fewest I've ever seen in an anime convention. I don't think I've ever seen another con with fewer than four.
1: I was also surprised at the size of the screening rooms, and I don't mean that in terms of the the number of seats, I mean that in terms of the size of the screens.
0: They were very small rooms, Uh, and, I mean, they had very small crowds, to be honest, and I think that's because they weren't really well planned. They were those screening rooms were at the bottom of the priority list. And in previous years, they've, like, screened movies, uh, in the, in the main theater hall. They didn't do that this year. They didn't, they actually didn't screen any actual anime content in the, the main events theater. They just, it was all stage fandom-based stuff. And I think that, you know, it, you, you see, you saw a theme of a- actual anime content being downplayed in favor of, of just sort of fan, fa- con- f- fan content. And I think it's just got it's gone way too far in that direction. This is a problem you see at a lot of conventions, but I think that they're not really conscious of this problem at Anime Revolution. Most cons at least make some kind of effort to sort of, or at least major cons, make some kind of effort to to, to sort of get more of a balance going. I didn't I really feel there was any kind of effort for that at Anime I don't anime know if that's
1: Revo. necessarily true, though, Jesse. If you look at the the audience base coming to conventions and what a high percentage of um like you said like those ask a character panels those cosplay related panels they're the heavy hitters because so many cosplayers um in addition to being anime fans but also who are there to learn about how to create warble armor in a certain way what kind of uh makeup techniques should they be using to get the desired character effect These are really popular, and the demand for them is growing. And I think part of the reason why Anime Revolution is growing as fast as it is is because it is being very blatant about its uh, willingness to include that kind of content, Um, really trying to market itself as a cosplaying convention in addition to anime. And I I, I agree with you, the anime is suffering for that, and there's a serious risk that it's going to knock its legs out from under itself. Um, But I don't necessarily... I I would argue
0: that that kind of did happen this year, actually. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um and, and i i disagree with any kind of positive spin you can give for for ask a character panels those things are a, they are an actual serious organizational problem at conventions i feel i feel that uh more substantial panels could attract just as much a crowd and get people just as pumped up but it's 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 almost like putting effort into your panels being discouraged hmm. uh because yeah, i agree with that so uh, a number of problems here the problem is that even from, from a sort of fundamental planning perspective, the, the panelists were treated well, the panels were were, were handled well. I, I think that there needs to be more of a proactive effort to sort of encourage people to create better better content and contribute better content and give, you know, a more variety of tastes, just something to occupy themselves with during the day. Because there was nothing for me to do on Saturday if there had been just two more I, I won't get into like the the choices of anime that were being screened because was when there's only two rooms there's almost no point in in picking that apart. A- anything they throw on is going to seem seem arbitrary. Um, but they they really should have had at least two or three more screening rooms. Uh, and if they do get another level of the anime of the uh, of the convention center next year, that should be their priority: is getting more screening rooms, going more rooms that you can just kind of crash in. Crash down in and, and just check out something that you, you've been meaning to see or haven't seen in a while or want to see again.
1: Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Because as, as amazing, uh, an art form and a community as the cosplay community is, if you take away the substance that is driving this fan culture, um, at the expense of, of the fan to just provide more space for fan culture, eventually you're going to run out of, of substance entirely, yeah. right? You need to continue to build on the media that has is driving this, this community forward.
0: Yeah. And if you, if you go to this convention, I urge you, if you listen to this show, like, please consider trying to, like, contribute your own, or submit your own panel idea. Just do something. Do something to, to sort of achieve this balance. Because, uh, again, you can complain about the problems with anime revolution all the time, but it doesn't matter if people aren't actually making an active effort to make the convention better. And, trying to submit more interesting panels is a great way of doing that. Uh, I, I highly encourage it. Um, But yeah, yeah, I think
1: it's worth noting, Jesse, you don't need to be a professional to be a panelist. You don't need to
0: be
1: (laughs) a renowned public speaker. You just need to be a fan and have something to say about anime.
0: This actually sort of brings me to another issue. And this is, this is an issue that goes outside of this convention. It's It's another issue that taps into Vancouver as a very unique market. Um, for anime, which is something that I think that the various industries and related industries to anime should be paying attention to. We have this weird phenomenon this that only happens in Vancouver. As far as I know, this does not happen in any other city in North America, where we have a variety of amateur idol groups that <laughs> uh, basically dress up and do their own performances set to uh, existing songs from series like you know some, some specialize in idol Master, some specialize in love live some specialize in the other versions of love live um i think usually they they do pre-choreographed dances that already exist i think some of them do their own as well um this happened this started happening a few years ago there was a group called van 47 that started trying to get uh uh performance time at the various conventions going on in in vancouver now we have other groups like natsu heroes there's zeus there's Decaloid, there's Boyish7, Sigma, Shooting Star Idols, EPS Infinity. I've probably missed, like, three of them in this list, because every time I go back to try and uh, check to see all the different amateur idol groups in Vancouver, I always, like, discover one that I hadn't heard of before.
1: Yeah, you know, remember how when we were kids it would be like, let's go to your buddy's garage and we'll start a band? Yeah, it's
0: like, like, <laughs> it's like, let's, let's start our own idol group. That's literally what's happening in Vancouver right now. Like, these... Groups are all trying to, like, build their own fan bases. They have their own followings. Um, there is, like, ridiculous drama going on between these groups that um, I understand is getting very intense and ridiculous, and I have to, like, restrain myself from trying to, to keep up with it a lot of the time. It's so prominent as well. Uh, these groups appear at different events. They, uh, not even just anime events, they, like, perform at various festivals uh, and, and and, like, like uh, municipal events and across the different uh, uh suburbs of, of, of metro Vancouver um and it's just this really 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 weird phenomenon that happens here and nowhere else um and I have a, a bit of a theory about that as I mentioned that Vancouver is like this fertile market that is constantly ignored by the industry um and a lot of it I think a lot of it ties into the large East Asian population when you look at cities like say San Diego or San Francisco or or Los Angeles. Uh, the, I think that the interest that exists for, uh, Asian idol culture in those cities is like, there, there are outlets for it. The, the, that industry kind of pays attention to those cities. There are events and promotions that happen there. Those sort of entities, those industry entities, they do not give a shit about Vancouver. They completely ignore Vancouver. Um, even though, th- like, it's a, I would argue, again, a much more fertile market uh than, than than they are despite the lower population this is sort of how they deal with it here they just make their own groups and 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 just sort of try to uh recreate that idle fascination and obsession in 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 the city and and just kind of build it all from scratch because it does, the actual yeah, industry
1: very in Vancouver doesn't it that yeah. a- very it's got that grassroots feel that anime revolution still is very much has in its un, in its yep. undercurrent um it's uh it's definitely something i think that does help that convention stand apart from other conventions and is part of what makes it so interesting uh it would be great to see a space continue to exist for these kinds of fan communities yep. but we uh we definitely need to continue to develop more substance from the media side as well and from the industry yeah. side.
0: Like I think that if the actual like if you know the actual so-called idol industry complex were to to try and have more of a presence in Vancouver. I think it could benefit these groups. They'd uh, they may get a higher profile or uh, it may expand into more interesting things. Who knows? I still don't really know what to how to feel about this whole amateur idol thing. It's it's such an interesting phenomenon that I can't be entirely negative about it and uh, i should point out that the, like again these 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 groups are at every anime event they they are constantly competing with each other for for slots on on stage time and and, and things like that um and there's a he, like the idol showcase at anime revolution is a huge deal but each of these groups in their quest to you know build their fan bases they each kind of get their own panel or, or at least several of them the more popular ones have their own panels at anime revolution Which is is so weird because you see that, but you don't see you know say the the you don't you don't see any panels devoted to actual idol groups or actual idol culture in Japan and actually exploring that. You just see these amateur groups building, amassing their own followings, or or using convention panels as a way of amassing as a way of amassing their own followings. And
1: yeah, you know you really have to be careful about that because there's certainly a risk of a bit of uh, Japanese erasure. Happening there and uh, content erasure when you are focusing on the the Western interpretation of that or the Vancouver interpretation of that at the expense of understanding the the history and the context and and all of the amazing things about idol culture that are so that are inspiring these groups to exist at all.
0: Yeah, like hell, that's there. You could probably do like four different panels just talking about different angles of this issue. Uh, alone that would probably attract huge crowds and be much more substantial than, than a lot of what we get at the convention. great go, but listeners.
1: If you were looking for an idea, there's your idea.
0: <laughs> hell, hell, a panel about the idol, uh, the idol phenomenon in Vancouver would be more interesting than simply allowing the idol groups themselves to to get all this uh all all this uh panel space at the, at the conventions in my opinion but yeah that that's just something that weirdly characterizes the 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 fandom in Vancouver and the situation in Vancouver and the way things kind of get prioritized at, at an event like Anime Revolution um i that said i think they need to rein it in a little bit next year these individual groups should not be getting their own panels they should be you know saving all their all their chips for the actual idol show um and again, I understand if there was a shortage of panel content, uh, but, you know, you have to, there has to be some curation and, and vision in the way that the, that the panel content is being treated. And I think that giving each of these groups their own panels is a very negative way of, of approaching it right now. I think they need, they need a more challenging, we need a more challenging environment.
1: At the, at the end of the day, that's exactly, that's exactly right. We need, um, a greater, demand for higher stakes and if you continue to provide rewards and incentives like cheaper passes or, or freer passes um just at the base level of of the content that you're producing you're just going to go and be a character or be an idol group and that's great but eventually that's all you're going to have
0: yeah and, and i mean i not mean by having their own panels they get discounts on their badges they almost become de facto guests at the convention and i think that it's a really weird bizarro kind of situation that we wind up (laughs) with here as as a result where
1: and i don't want to demean any of these groups or the work that they do you know for sure This, this is important to them and it is the way of their their space to express creativity and all of that's fantastic and they should have a space and a time to do that but perhaps not in the same industry sanctioned incentivized way that is taking space away from more critical content.
0: Yeah, exactly. And if also if you're listening to this and don't know what we're talking about, I I highly recommend reading into it a little more and and reading about this whole thing going on in Vancouver because it's it's really interesting and unique and I don't really know what kind of direction it's going in, but um it's it's it is worth following. But again, I don't think it's being treated in the in the necessarily the healthiest or most productive way right now. So uh, on that note, um, and as I touched on earlier, uh actual industry presence was one of the biggest problems of this convention this year.
1: I think this um, is ultimately what this comes down to, yes. Yeah.
0: Um Anime Revolution has managed to bring have some degree of uh industry presence um since they started. This is the first year what they brought they had nobody in. Uh there was no Crunchyroll, no Anaplex uh, they had Pony Canyon USA there last year. Uh I don't think they showed up to any panels or at any conventions this year, but they they certainly weren't at Anime Revolution this time around. I don't entirely blame Anime Revolution for this. I, I do get the feeling that they, they you know, in moving to the more expensive venue, uh, uh, accommodating industry was probably a sacrifice they decided to make. But this isn't just something isolated to Anime Revolution. The, uh, I actually... As far as I could tell, in the research that I did, the only industry panel that happened at any major anime convention in Canada this year was a single Funimation panel that took place at Otakuthon in Montreal. That's it. Uh, nobody else had any kind of industry presence. And I know I've commented on the show before that industry panels tend to be really boring and predictable and don't really provide any, any real substance to people who follow these things even remotely. But I think it's still really important to have... You know, just at least be able to say that you have an industry person at your convention to have the presence of someone who can who will listen to fans even a little bit and give face time with fans, Um, because I've noticed that when these industry representatives come to Canada, like people are just absolutely desperate to ask them questions and give them face time, which you see way less at the U.S. conventions, I've found. Um, And I think it's just even if it's symbolic importance, it's really important to try and Just maintain that presence and and tie. And I think that when you lose grip on the industry presence and actually keeping them, keeping them coming every year, uh, it just results in all this sort of, I don't want to say grassroots stuff to emerge, uh, as, as a result, but things just kind of fall apart when you have no industry, I find. I really, I really do find that that's the case.
1: I think that's ultimately what this, this comes down to. This question of like, we've got the space, we've got the fans, we're doing an excellent job on, and when I say we, I mean any Revo is doing an excellent job on catering to fan content, providing space for fan content. But when we're talking about increasing the substance, the amount of substance, the amount of quality, the, the caliber of the Japanese cultural experience, of the anime experience, the industry presence is really important for setting that precedent.
0: Yeah. Like, even if it is a... Even if it's a super superficial presence to a degree, I think there's I, I think it is a symbolic presence that has a lot of impact and effect on the the attendees and the way that they perceive uh, the industry and the content and and everything. And I think that like if the industry is not making an effort to come to Canada, and I feel that they are making less and less of an effort because with the way we see things going with streaming, they seem to be coming more concentrated more focused than ever on the u.s and just sort of treating canada as a spillover market hoping that whatever they throw out in the u.s will kind of wash up on enough of it will wash up on canadian shores to keep people content and i think that we need to push back against that mentality and the conventions need to push back against the mentality and they need to play a role in trying to keep those things together and i think even when i mentioned with things like idols i don't know what ar could do to try and Engage the idol industry more. Like I, I think that bringing in an actual idol group from Japan might be beyond them, at least this point. But I think there's more that they can do to actually get proper tie-ins and try and bring more attention from the industry towards Vancouver, because I think as a major event and a, as a major brand and and presence of the of the anime culture of Vancouver. They have kind of a responsibility to bring all, to bring that, to bring those eyes over here and let them see, you know, what a fertile and needy market it, it kind of is.
1: And how much potential there is. I, yeah. I really do feel that Canadian conventions and anime revolution in particular have a distinct difference to them relative to Sakuracon and conventions in the U.S. that really does come back to that, that grassroots core and that, that ex- extreme fan community because we're so underserviced. um that extreme fandom that we see here does give us a, a different kind of experience i love going to local cons i love the enthusiasm and the excitement um that you see in the people who come to anime revolution the people who are here they really want to be here it's not just another photo shoot opportunity uh and there's something really special about that and i think you know if, if industry presence were to um gain on that marketability, they would recognize that there is something distinct about Vancouver and that's worth their time.
0: Another big problem with the lack of industry is that things like bootlegs tend to get out of control when you don't have that sort of legitimate industry presence. One thing that has been happening with a lot of conventions across North America is that they have been separating their artist alleys and exhibitors hall. And the reason oh, is because, about this, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're trying to, uh, Because, you know, the thing is that you could make the argument that all fan art is copyright infringement, is bootleg, is illegal. We don't like to make that – we don't like to say that. We like to make a distinction and say this is fan art, this is allowed, this is good, this is positive, and say that the official merchandise, uh, the stuff you buy in the exhibitor's hall, this is – different it needs to be treated to a different standard because you kind of get that murky middle sometimes of fan artists who act who or who make things that could very well be interpreted as bootleg merchandise and, and that's why we're seeing more conventions trying to make that distinction anime revolution is the complete opposite i think a big reason for this is because they don't have access to as many exhibitors as other conventions do now this was really bad last year because they actually were at the same time as um Animethon in in Edmonton and that really hurt the presence of vendors at both of those conventions. Um but here the lines between the artist alley and the Exhibitor's hall were blurred completely. The only distinction seemed to be how much money a certain kind of seller, seller was willing to pay for a table because there were artists who were selling essentially bootleg merchandise out of uh out of more expensive vendor tables. Uh in, in a lot of cases and there were some vendors who were selling a hundred percent bootleg merchandise uh, if you bought if you were at NA revolution and you bought anything at all from the pop-up shop um you bought a bootleg that stuff was like some of the most blatant bootleg stuff i've ever seen the da, da pop-up shop in particular they need to be banned from this convention they should not be allowed to sell things at any convention ever i saw some other sellers who i who tend to sell more legitimate merchandise at other events selling bootlegs at MMA revolution i'm pretty sure because they felt they could get away with it i know that they, they're obviously you know maybe a little desperate to get vendors a lot of the time but they really need to crack down on this they, they need to do something about it they need to at least make it look like they care about creating that separation between what is artist alley what is dealer's hall and having just be, being very clear and articulate about what is acceptable and what is not in a dealer's hall area. Um, I, I've, I think I've been harping on this, maybe not on the show, but certainly, uh, in, in feedback I've given the con for a few years. Um, and they, they seem to fluctuate with how well they deal with it, but this has got to change for sure. Um, I know that this is, I think this is a problem with a lot of Canadian conventions as well, just because we, we don't have as many potential exhibitors here as American conventions do. And, you know, you got to have a big exhibitor's hall when you have a convention, but what are you going to fill it with? Well, a lot of the time you just wind up filling it with bootlegs, unfortunately. Um, and I think that this is something that, that conventions need to be more proactive in the way they deal with.
1: You know, I do want to make a quick comparison here um, also, just again on this thought on fan communities and grassroots communities. I was, despite the amount of bootleg that was happening, quite surprised at the volume of fan-related content and artwork. That was being provided and produced. Yeah. There were so there were so many artists. I think the the fan vendors, the fan art vendors, were probably double the size of what we saw at SakuraCon. The
0: the artist alley area was you know it was it was it was big. And they had a lot of they had a lot of great stuff there for sure. Um, I think that they could they should probably give more space to the artist alley. Honestly, uh, especially right. especially if they have trouble finding finding proper vendors. But they I, need they oh. need to agree, make that distinction. They can't they shouldn't be using spillover from the artists to fill vendor space because it just creates that gray area that lets like the really bad bootleg sellers flourish
1: oh it's so easy to camouflage in yeah. a space like that exactly and given this this idea of the fan culture and the grassroots culture that annie rebel was so good at it sort of makes sense that you would want to showcase and highlight that to a certain extent i'm quite confident that uh, though just from what i saw on the floor on the weekend that i was there that those uh, fan artists and those fan booths were quite successful and very well frequented in the vendor in the vendor's hall
0: the, the ones i talked to seem to be doing very well and were very happy with how things are going i think uh i think it was overall a pretty good uh, a pretty good con for artists it's also worth noting that they had they they had a panel uh, room going inside the exhibitors hall as well i think it's because they were short on rooms and needed to fill space in the exhibitors hall um and to be perfectly honest it wasn't anywhere near as bad as it probably sounds uh the the panel was was easy to ignore if anything i think that ha- being in the artist's alley was probably more distracting to the panelists than it was to
1: easy to ignore is probably not good news for the panelists <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um
0: it was a questionable decision i hope that is one thing that they don't have to do next year um... But yeah, I think uh
1: Really what we should have done is used that space for the Maid
0: Cafe. Yeah, they had the Maid Cafe sort of uh upstairs sandwiched in th- 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 did they have it in the room that had the uh the good view or was it sandwiched in between that room and the uh and the the main theater? I didn't I actually didn't get close enough to notice. I think I think yeah. a we- I think a wedding had the room with the nice view booked.
1: Yeah, no, I think they were sort of I could have this confused with another area, but I think they were sort of on the main floor. Um, just off, uh, towards the sort of the, what do I want to say? The, not the South side, the, the West side of the convention, the opposite side from the panel halls, just kind of around the Starbucks area. Uh Yeah. And, uh, it seemed like it was kind of a small, small space, but it, you know, seems if you were going to generate that kind of traffic, having people go through the vendors hall to eat and back again would probably be a much better use of that space.
0: Yeah. Also just going back to the vendors hall, there's, there's a lot of stuff you could do to fill that space for sure. I think, uh, they, they may, there's a lot of thinking that can go into that, that could arrive or that could cause them to arrive at a better idea than let's put a panel room here. Um, and here's another thing. I brought this up with you. I brought this up with, I think a dozen people. Actually, I think I brought this up with everyone I talked to at the convention. Nobody knew what I was talking about. It, there was this weird smell in the dealers hall. Uh, it almost made me nauseous on Friday, but n- every time I told people about the smell and how it made me feel, nobody knew what I was talking about. Um, I seem to be the only person who noticed this, and it made me kind of worried because it made me think, am I having like some kind of unique reaction to something in this room that nobody else is? Maybe I need to see a doctor. Maybe it was nothing. Maybe, maybe I am just crazy, but. There was this weird smell in the dealer's hall. I thought it was due to the smoke, uh, or had something to do with that. It, it, it kind of, or it made me think of all the smoke that was outside and, and the, uh, and the unpleasant conditions that created. Um, yeah, I, 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 I had to mention that.
1: You're on your own for that one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I had to bring it up. It's just so weird. Yeah, you know what? I, say it
1: because maybe you're not the only person. Maybe there's somebody out there listening who's gonna say, yeah, that it wasn't just burnt toast. Or <laughs> if you
0: if you smelled something weird at the Anime Revolution vendors hall, please email me and reassure me that I'm not alone here. Uh, because I'm I, I'm gonna start questioning my sanity soon <laughs> unless I, unless someone backs me up on this. But yeah, uh, I, I, if I'm the only person who noticed it, I guess I can't say that that was a problem. So, uh, good for everyone else, I guess. Uh, and then another thing is that this con can can't seem to figure out what to do with gaming. They had, like, a console gaming area in the dealer's hall, and then upstairs they had this sort of, it was what seemed to be an attempt at, uh, like a DDR kind of quasi-arcade gaming room that was just unbelievably pathetic. Like, I, like, the idea was nice. That seemed to be a good spot to try and put some accessible gaming, but they gotta put actual effort into it. That was just... They just had like these tiny TV screens and uh, a and, and a couple DDR games going. Come on, guys, tr- try a little harder in that area. Maybe consolidate the gaming together. Get something a little little more cohesive going.
1: Me, if I'm wrong, but didn't they at one point convert one of the screen... The screening rooms into a gaming room. They
0: did, and that's another thing I have a problem with: is that the, the, like they put so little emphasis on the actual screening of anime that they actually closed the screening rooms down at eleven and turned them into gaming rooms, um, which I'm willing to bet very few people went to. I didn't, I didn't actually investigate, uh, but I think that it does show a, a questionable sense of priority. Uh, they they really need to put more emphasis on actually screening anime, like they re- they really do, um, and they and they just. They should be able to just put all the gaming in one place. Like, having the gaming move around like that is kind of of crazy.
1: I think they need to put more of an emphasis on anime in general. When I say that, I mean anime screening. I mean industry presence. Mm -hmm. I mean an emphasis on panels that deal with the content of anime. There's an undercurrent theme here.
0: Well, let's... Maybe let's go to the one thing they did succeed wildly at, and that is the presence of, of Japanese voice actors. Um, in fact, probably the biggest draw of Anime Revolution is that they, they managed to get really great Seiyu guests every year. Uh, they actually got four this year, which I think might actually be a record for a Canadian convention. I don't, like, usually like Anime North and the like, they, they managed to get one or two at the most. But four? I don't think I've ever seen a Canadian con get four you all in one go before. Major
1: um, props, Annie Revo. Yeah. Major
0: yeah, what well, the yeah, they they got four. They got Kana Ueda. Uh she is the voice actress of Rin in Fate/stay night and all of her panels were impossible to get into. Uh she seemed to be the most popular guest for sure. Um they also got Emery Kato who is uh the, she's the voice of Qbay from uh Madoka. And Akatsuki Konishi who I was kind of excited about because he's the voice actor of of Kamina from Gurren Lagann. I went to his panel. It was a bit of a letdown. The thing about the voice actor Q&A panels is that they they, they're they usually not very interesting you get everything filtered through a translator and uh they 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 tend to fall back on kind of canned pr answers to a lot of questions and usually a lot of people in the audience just ask really bad questions anyway um you don't get a lot of interesting things going on um and you know there was a lot of that uh when i was leaving uh, or before i left i made a last minute decision to pop in on uh, shizuka ito's uh panel um She's done a lot of roles uh, I mean she was Himawari in the uh Triple X Holic anime um, she is perhaps more notable, uh, as Akino in, uh, High School DXD and Liliana in Queen's Blade. Uh, in fact, I think that she has popped up in just about every titty anime that has come out over the last, uh, four or five years.
1: Like the roster?
0: Yeah. So my, oh, my other con buddy, uh, who I was hanging out with during the weekend, David, he, uh, he, he said that we should go, go to the Q&A. So I dropped in because I didn't really have anything else to do. And I gotta say that panel was a blast. It was, uh, it, you know, she didn't really give canned responses. She was like, kind of going off the wall with, with, with perverted answers. She was, for for a good portion of the panel, she was just talking about other voice actresses' breasts. Um, And it was just, it was really funny. I, uh, I, <laughs> I'm I really glad I popped into that panel. It was a lot of fun. And it, it sort of went against what I usually expect from, from uh, Japanese seiyuu panels. Uh, but I gotta, I, another thing I gotta give them props for, and this is something that Anime Revolution has done every year, is that they don't just have Q&A panels with their voice actors. They actually do a live voice actor recording they play an episode of an anime with the with the sound muted uh and they actually get the voice actors to perform as the characters and i I think someone at anime revolution must know uh, takashi takadera he's a voice director from japan uh he has come to the convention i think the last four years and he has hosted these live voice actor recordings and he actually coaches uh the voice actor's as they're doing the episodes and they do different takes and you know obviously it's actually I, I i don't feel it's really staged at all it does feel like a like a like a pretty uh earnest effort to recreate uh a Seiyu recording session uh and it's it really is a joy to watch i'm i'm really it's a really great concept and i am glad that they do that and it's one of the one of the highlights of the convention for sure it was definitely the the highlight of my saturday at the convention um uh, granted i i do think they need to start branching out a little bit uh, i know obviously they they must have connections at at a talent agency in japan which is why they bring keep bringing in so many uh voice actors it'd be great if they brought in you know a director or a mangaka or a storyboard artist uh, or or something like that. Someone who works or in another aspect production
1: of anime. side yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. I I still think the best kind of panel is when you have an artist and give him a tablet and a projector and just let him draw and maybe answer questions while doing it because you get to actually see him in the live creative process. That's or him or her, I should say. Sorry. Um, I I think that is the best kind of content you can get at an anime convention most of the time. And I think they, Anime Revolution. I know that you know, again, getting these voice actors is Part of their successful formula they don't want to break out of. Um, but I think they need to get out of that comfort zone a little bit and, and try and get different types of guests. They, they are ready for that for sure. And I, I'd love to see them branch out. You
1: know, they're, they're building that momentum. They're growing. They've got the fan base. They've got the convention space. Now it's time to ramp
0: up the quality. Or uh, most importantly, just get out of the comfort zone. Just try different things because, and I, this, I think this is a criticism that goes back to the fact that they are a for profit convention. Uh, as long as they can keep kind of exploiting the successful formula and, Still being the only game in town that can tap into those few key things that allow an anime convention to gain momentum, they don't have a lot of incentive to break away from that. And I think that people really need to get on their case about it more and and request more diversity from the con because it would just, you know, it'd make it a better event overall in every way for sure.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really great way to kind of round it out. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought there were, like you said, it was okay. They some things they do really, really well. Um, in particular, the inclusion of voice actors, and that's, uh, and in that fan culture and the grassroots culture are all done really well.
0: So, I, I guess the big question is, uh, the, the con for the full weekend costs $75. I hear people calling this con expensive, and I, I actually don't agree. I think that, uh, for $75 Canadian, it is worth the price of admission, and I think that people who complain about that cost are kind of out of touch with how much most conventions actually cost. What, what do you think, Amanda? What Do you, do you think that it, it, it's worth the, the price of admission?
1: I would say, especially given the value of Canadian currency right now, that <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> if you were trying to go to a convention in the States, or if you're from the States and trying to go to a convention in Canada, either way, you're winning.
0: Yeah. I, I would say that if you live in Metro Vancouver, d- despite all of the the issues that that we've talked about um i think anime revolution is definitely worth going to um for better or worse i i honestly think it is the best convention in the city some may argue that fan expo vancouver is better i am personally not a fan of of, of fan expo at all i think that anime revolution it uh it taps into my interests a little better than that one does but yeah if you live in metro vancouver i think it is absolutely worth coming to uh if you are driving distance from Metro Vancouver. Um, I would say come, don't get your expectations too high, but if you're coming from, like, Washington or something, you know, (laughs) you can enjoy the low dollar, uh, at least, uh, and try, try some good food, uh, while you're up here as well. I will say, I don't, as much as I, I am waiting for this convention to become good enough that I can recommend people to fly to Vancouver for it, but I can't. It is not good enough to justify flying to Vancouver, in my opinion, Uh, unless next year they get a guest or a performer that you absolutely must see.
1: I do want to make one small caveat uh, to that, and that is if you are a rural Canadian living in British Columbia or in a neighboring province, Mm -hmm. um, keeping in mind that Annie Revo is the third largest convention that we have in Canada and is probably the largest on the west side of Canada, if you're going to go to any convention this year, and you need to put out the money to do it because you live really far away. This is probably the one you're going to do it
0: for. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. When I, when, I guess when I say driving distance, I, I should expand that to people who live in like the more eastern or northern parts of British Columbia as well. And, uh. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we had a lot to say about that, uh, con for sure. Did you have any other final thoughts you wanted to share, Amanda? Well, I just,
1: uh, I think ultimately what I'd like to say is that as a local con, I love being able to go to local cons. There's something really awesome about the fact that my city is doing something so big that I can go and have a great time at the weekend and go home and sleep in my own bed at night. You can't replace that experience. Local cons are great, and if you want to continue to have great local cons, it's really important that you go to them um, and that you contribute to them. Uh, Again, going back to this idea that if you've got an idea or you're passionate about a particular part of Japanese culture or Japanese anime, like get out there, make your voice heard because that's so important for keeping that momentum going. Uh, I was really impressed at the turnout and the enthusiasm of the people who came given that we were basically smoked out the entire weekend. We, you could not see across the Bay to North Vancouver, the view of the convention center, which should have been spectacular was mostly just gray haze. And yet Despite air quality concerns, which, you know, some people had been saying on the news was comparable to Beijing in terms of air pollution. Despite all of these setbacks, people were lining up for hours, longer than they should have been, but they were there. Um, that's really quite a spectacular feat in terms of fan commitment, in terms of the love of the genre. In terms of the love of the media, and it, it's such a beautiful thing to see in this city. I really want to see that continue to grow.
0: A- Anime Revolution. I think there's there's as we have demonstrated, there's a lot to talk about with this convention. I think uh, I think I think it's one to keep an eye on. I'll be there next year in all likelihood for sure, doing more panels. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see where it goes moving forward for sure.
1: I can't wait to see what the next few years have in store. Thank you so much for inviting me to speak today and to participate your podcast, Jesse. No problem,
0: Amanda. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks to everyone listening for tuning into to and Canada. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter, at Zonend Canada, or email, zonendcanada at gmail.com. Amanda, where can people find you on uh, online or social media?
1: Well, I keep a low profile on the internet, so please just contact Jesse and if you'd like to hear me, then uh, I will go through him.
0: Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, the theme song is by Ultraclystron. You can find it on his album Packet Flood, uh, which can be purchased at ultraclystron.com. Please subscribe to the show on itunes google play music or your podcast app of choice and leave a rating or review if you have a chance i'd really appreciate it uh if you know anyone who might like this show please recommend it to them see you again
1: bye Bye.